All right, how's everybody doing today? Y'all good? It's awesome to have all of you with us, uh, everybody online. Uh, we're just so excited everybody's here today. And uh, in the words of the angel on Easter Sunday, he's not here, he's risen just as he said he would. So it is so awesome to come together to celebrate the joy of the resurrection of Jesus and all that that means for us. You know, I actually heard a really touching story this week that I wanted to, I wanted to share with you. Uh, a, a family traveled to the Holy Land, and while they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. And uh, the family had to make a decision, of course, to ship her body back to the States. And um, it, it was going to cost a fortune. It was going to be about $5,000 to ship her body back to the United States. Uh, or or they, could, they could actually lay her to rest right there in the Holy Land for about $500. Well, the son-in-law, he, he spoke up immediately and, and he said, you know, spare no expense. Whatever it takes, uh, we, we want to make sure that we can get her back to the States. And the undertaker, uh, he was touched and uh, just by the son-in-law and, uh, and he said, man, he's like, no, it's really amazing that you care so much for your mother-in-law that you would spend that much cash to get her back to the States. And uh, he said, you know, I don't know if it's that. Um, I just heard one time you buried somebody here and three days later, <laughs> three days later, he's like, I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> well, I thought you and your family might enjoy that today. Uh, we're, we're in a series here at Hope on the book of Hebrews, and uh, it's actually on an, an unusual Easter Sunday where we continue our series in the book of Hebrews. But we got something special for you today, and I'm going to ask you maybe to put your thinking caps on as we dive into some deep stuff on Easter Sunday. Are you guys okay uh, just thinking with me a little bit about who Jesus is and what he's done in his resurrection? You know, we, this has been an awesome series if you're just joining us today, you know, what's Hebrews all about? We've seen that one of the major reoccurring themes throughout the book of Hebrews is the supremacy of Jesus over everything, over all things. Jesus is supreme. Well, the way we like to say it here at Hope is, Jesus is better. He's better. So what I want to show you today in Hebrews chapter 7 is that Jesus is actually better because of the power of his life. Because he is alive and he lives forevermore. Right? He's defeated death. He's risen from the dead. Jesus is better. And Hebrews is going to show us that today. But I think the dilemma for many of us is that we've heard that Easter story. But do we know what that means for our lives? Got some kids in the room today. You guys enjoying the, the fun bags that our team put together for you? It's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, we have an awesome kids program here at Hope. And uh, we'll be, uh, they'll be back in their classes next Sunday. Maybe, kids, you've heard the Easter story. Or maybe you're here today and you grew up in church and it's been a while, but you're back this Sunday. Or maybe you're here today because you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and He has radically changed your life, and you're here to celebrate that. 
But I think the question is, we all know the Easter story, but what does the power of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead really mean for me and for you today? And what I want to show you today, Hebrews chapter 7, is that the power to experience a life in God is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let me say that one more time. The power to experience a new life in God is found in the power of Jesus' life. Check this out. Got a, just a few verses. We're going to be in Hebrews 7 today. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or a Bible app. But I want to highlight some verses from this big chapter that's going to show us the power of the resurrection. Here we go. Hebrews 7, 16. Check this out. Jesus has become a priest. We're going to talk about that. What is a priest? Do you know what a priest is? Jesus is a priest. So we should know what that is. We'll talk about that. Not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry. That's the Old Testament. But on the basis of what? The power of an indestructible life. Did Jesus have an indestructible life? You bet he did. There's no other life quite like Jesus. He lives forever. That's amazing. What a great phrase. It's talking about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus has become a priest through the power of an indestructible life. His resurrection life, which continues forever. So because of this, verse 19, a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Wow, that's amazing. A better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And as we look at Hebrews chapter 7 today, I'm going to show you that we have a new and living way to draw near to God through the power of Jesus' life. Not through our power, not through the power of some priest, but through the power of an indestructible life. That's how we draw near to God. Jesus is the priest we need because he lives forever. And so we get to have a new relationship with God that lasts forever because of Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection life. Verse 24 and 25. Again, because Jesus lives forever, that's what we celebrate today. Jesus is alive. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So will you join me with our living, praying Jesus, as we open our time with a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for getting us here. It is no accident that we're in this room today or we're watching online because you have a message for us. You have been pursuing us. You pursued us all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave, and you're bringing us through your resurrection to a new life in God. You're bringing us alive spiritually, and that's what we celebrate today. And I just ask today, as we open up your word, Hebrews, we get into some deep stuff, that you would help us to understand the work that Jesus did on our behalf. We ask that in Jesus' name today. And everybody said, amen. All right, let's dive in. So here on Easter Sunday, guys, this is amazing. We have a better way to draw near to God. Uh, very simply because, number one, 
it is not in my power to draw near to God. This is a really important concept for us to understand today. It, it is not within our own strength and our own abilities to draw near to God. So uh, just tell you a little bit of a story. Um, anyone here ever do a fundraiser before? You know, any youth do a fundraiser or, you know, you sell some cookies or uh, you invite all your friends and family to Panera and you show them the little sheet and they're like, okay, yep, yeah, well, we got that. Or you're raising money for your school or your team or your mission trip, whatever that is. Uh, just like a lot of you, I've done some fundraisers in my life. And I remember back being a uh, high school choir and raising money for our choir. And uh, one time we, we worked concessions. You know, we did a concession stand to kind of raise some money, and uh, this concession stand was for a, a big concert. There was a, there was a, a country star named um, uh, Merle Haggard. I don't know if you guys know Merle Haggard. I, I don't really know Merle Haggard. I'm not really a country music person, but found myself as a teenager working concessions at a Merle Haggard concert, and, you know, we're getting people soda and hot dogs and all those things. And as the concert was, you know, Getting closer to the end, uh, me and my friend got sent out to do trash. And so we're just kind of doing trash, and we ended up getting kind of lost at this concert ven venue. And we didn't really know where we were, but we found ourselves near Merle Haggard's dressing room. And, and the reason we knew that is because there was this long hall, and there were two guys dressed in black with, you know, dark shades and earpieces. And they were kind of blocking this hall to Merle Haggard's dressing room. Well, me and my friend, we don't know who Merle Haggard is. Like, we don't listen to country music. But we thought, how cool would it be if we got into Merle Haggard's dressing room? <laughs> so we came up with a plan. We had our aprons on. We had our little paper diner hats, you know, those little... We had our trash bags in hand. So we walk up to those two security guards. We're like, hey... We're here to take care of Merle Haggard's trash. You think they let us in? Absolutely not. <laughs> Did we as teenagers have any power to walk right into Merle Haggard's dressing room? Come on, no way. They're like, get out of here. And, and Merle Haggard, he's just a man. How about with God? Do we have the power as human beings to draw into the presence of an awesome, holy God. Can we do that? You know, the amazing thing is that God actually made us for his presence. You were made to enjoy the presence of God every single day. And we remember Adam and Eve, they enjoyed perfect fellowship with God um, in the Garden of Eden. But something happened, right? Something went terribly wrong. Humanity turned from the living God. And because of sin... Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden. They were cast out of the presence of God. And just like those two security guards, if you read the story of Genesis, it talks about a flaming sword. God put a flaming sword at the entrance of the garden so that humanity could not return to the place of his presence. Even when there was a temple later, there was a veil. You remember that? The veil remained separating humanity from God. And that, my friends, is the beginning of all of our troubles and all of our sorrows is that we have lost our way from the presence of God and the access to that presence has been blocked. We don't have the power to come into the presence of a holy, mighty, awesome God. You know, Job, 
found himself asking, how do I draw near to God? I don't know how to do this. Job 9, this is what he says. He says, God is not a mere mortal like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. Job's like, I never want to meet God in court. If only, though, Job says, if only there were someone to mediate between us. Isn't that interesting? Someone who could bring us together. Someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror wouldn't frighten me anymore. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. It's interesting what Job is saying, isn't it? He's saying, here is this awesome holy God. And the thought of coming into his presence terrifies me. But if, if God were just to become a man, if God were to become someone like me, maybe, maybe there could be someone who could come between us. Maybe there is somebody who could stand in the gap, a mediator who could bring us together. Job says, then maybe I could draw near to God. But as it stands, Job says, in my own power, I can't do that. I need someone to help me. And what we see in Job chapter 9, and I don't think Job realizes it, but, but the need Job is expressing in Job chapter 9 is the need for a priest. The need for a mediator. Somebody to bring God and man together. And what's interesting is that God begins to do this. First in the priests in the Old Testament, and then in the person of Christ. And so when we read in Hebrews chapter 7 that Jesus has become a priest through the power of his indestructible life, God is actually answering this prayer. He's, he's coming to us in our need saying, I know you need somebody to reconnect you to God, and I'm here to do that. But it, it starts all the way back. If you want to know the big God story, talk to our kids about the big God story. I love that. If you want to go all the way back and understand the big God story and the work he's doing in Christ, you have to understand it goes all the way back to these Old Testament priests when God begins to come to dwell with his people and even then there's a veil that remains between humanity and God. And so I want to show you this, that it's not in our own power to draw near to God. It's not in my power, right? Because of, because of the wickedness in my own heart, because of my own sin and unbelief, it's not in my power to draw near to God. I need help. God begins to answer that in the Old Testament with these priests, ultimately in Christ. But what we're going to see, and this is point number two, and put your thinking caps on, on for this one, it's not some, in some priest's power to draw near to God. So if we want to understand what we're celebrating today, what Jesus has done for us, the power of his resurrection, we've got to understand Jesus is a priest. What's a priest? We can go back to the Old Testament and we can understand what a priest is. Um, what's a priest in the Old Testament? Number one, priests were men just like us. They were people, um, and these men came from the tribe of Levi. How many tribes were there in Israel? Twelve. Good. Great. You're with me. Awesome. Twelve tribes in Israel, and only, only people from the tribe of Levi could serve as a priest. So if you're from one of the other 11 tribes, sorry, not for you. You can't you can't really get close to God like this, but the priests, they can because of their genealogy. So, number one, a priest in the Old Testament are men just like us. Number two, priests have special access to God. 
And so we find them serving in the holy place. They're in this temple, this tabernacle. They're in holy places. They're giving access to God, but for a very special reason, and this is it. The priest's work, this is what Job was asking for, the priest's work was to be a bridge builder between God and people. And that's really the work of the priest. It's the mediator. It's the one to stand in the gap so that we can begin to connect with a holy, awesome God. That's the priest's work. And so these priests offered sacrifices for sins by which the people of Israel could draw near to God. And yet, even in this system, like I said, God's behind a veil. And so this behind the veil is the holy of holies. It's the most holy place of all. And only one person, this is crazy, behind this veil, holiest place of all, only one person gets to go behind that veil. It's the high priest. And only once a year, and never without a blood sacrifice for his own sins, why was that? Because priests are imperfect. That, that priest who's coming and approaching God, he has his own sin, just like you and I do. Right? So, so we are all imperfect. We all have sin and unbelief in our life. And we need a better hope to draw near to God. Hudson and I have been reading a, a hilarious book. It's called Click Clack Moo, Cows of Type. Anybody ever read Click Clack Moo, Cows of Type? All right, I love that book. Uh, it's a fun book about some cows, and they get a hold of a typewriter, and these cows start typing out some demands to Farmer Brown. And as they type, you could hear it. Click Clack Moo, Click Clack Moo, Click Clack Moo, and they start sending demands to Farmer Brown. Hey, we'd like some electric blankets. And if Farmer Brown doesn't give electric blankets, sorry, no more milk. So it's a standoff. And we're reading Click Clack Moo, you know, cows that type, and they're all typing away on this typewriter. And as we're reading the story, Hudson looks up to me, he's like, Dad, what's a typewriter? <laughs> oh my goodness. It hadn't even crossed my mind. And my four-year-old son has no idea what a typewriter is. How do you explain a typewriter to a four-year-old? Well, it's like a computer. It's got a keyboard. But the, the cool thing is it prints while you type. You don't even have to plug it in. How amazing is that? <laughs> uh, but the only problem is, uh, you know, what happens if you mess up? Those of you who worked on typewriters before, you ever make a mistake on a typewriter? Yeah, yeah. You know, you got that little whiteout thing that you're like, go, you know, or you just crumble it up and throw it out or, uh, you know, maybe you do the X's over your arrow or, you know, whatever it is. How about when it comes to our own mistakes? Our own sin and weakness. Guys, we need a priest that doesn't just cover up our sins. We need a priest who's going to hit the delete button on our sin once and for all. Isn't it amazing with the computer you get that magic delete button? Isn't that what we need to draw near to God? We need that delete button. We need sin to be forgiven once and for all. And guys, that's what we have in Jesus. He's our perfect high priest. He's our perfect mediator so that we can draw near to God. Not on the basis of what I've done, because I'm not righteous, but on the basis of what Christ has done for me. Hebrews 7.19 says, A better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. I love that. So I actually want to show you from Hebrews chapter 7 how 
Hebrews introduces us to this better hope. And it actually goes back to the Old Testament, and it introduces us to the first priest ever mentioned in the Old Testament. Do, do any of you know the name of the first priest ever introduced in the Old Testament? Well, who is it? Aaron. Aaron? Is there one before that? Melchizedek. Who? <laughs> I kept telling my pastor friends all week I was going to talk to you about Melchizedek on Sunday. And they were like, let me pray for you. <laughs> I promise to be short on Melchizedek. Keeping it light on Easter Sunday. Melchizedek. <laughs> Hoping to give you some t-shirts on the way out. I survived Easter 2021 20, at Hope. Melchizedek. Um, who's Melchizedek? Well, if you have a Bible, you could open up to Hebrews 7, verse 1. Our authors just said that Jesus has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Why is Jesus a priest in the order of Melchizedek? Very interesting. You know, Melchizedek is one of the most obscure and mysterious figures in the Old Testament. It's very obscure. Only mentioned in two places. Genesis 14, Psalm 110. The author is going to comment on both of those in that order. Here's Hebrews 7.1. Jesus is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Here's what the author says. This Melchizedek, who was Melchizedek? He was king of Salem and priest of the Most High God. He met Abraham, very first priest ever, met, priest ever mentioned in the Bible, back in Abraham's day. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Abraham gave a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, and also king of Salem means king of peace. Sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Our author notices a few things about Melchizedek. Number one, he is both a king and a priest. He's the king of Salem, and he's the priest of the Most High God. Number two, Melchizedek is pretty awesome. He's pretty great. So great is Melchizedek that Abraham, the great Abraham, even gives Melchizedek a tenth of everything. That's how awesome this guy is. Number three, Melchizedek has an eternal quality to him. He, he's without um, genealogy. And I don't know if you've ever read Genesis, but... Pretty much everybody in Genesis has genealogy, <laughs> but Melchizedek doesn't. Very interesting. It says he resembles the Son of God, and he remains a priest forever. And after describing how Melchizedek is greater than Abraham and greater than Levi in verses 4 through 10, this is the conclusion our author draws. Verse 11, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, remember I said all these Old Testament priests, they were imperfect, just like us. So if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still a need for another priest to come? That Psalm 110 said there's another priest to come in the order of Melchizedek. Why did we need another priest to come? Why is there still a need for another priest? And what I want to tell you today, it's not in my power to draw near to God. It's not in the power of some priest but what we celebrate today is that we get to draw near to God through the power of Jesus' resurrection. We're drawing near to God because he lives, because he has the power of an indestructible life. He is able to bring you and me into the very presence of God. His blood forgives our sins so that we have access to a holy God. How awesome is that? 
I think that's worth celebrating on Easter Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I hope you feel that today. I hope that you feel how big this is and how life-changing it is. Hebrews 7.16 Jesus has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, this is Psalm 110, before Jesus, this de Psalm declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That is the great prophecy of Psalm 110. In fact, Psalm 110 is the most quoted Old Testament text in the New Testament. Paul quotes it, Peter, Hebrews, even Jesus himself. So when those early Christians are thinking about Jesus, they're thinking about Psalm 110. What does it say? Psalm 110 points us to the eternal Son of God who is going to reign forever as our King and Priest. That's who Jesus is. And Psalm 110 is pointing us to Jesus. And Hebrews is saying, look at who Jesus is, how awesome he is. See, Jesus bridges the gap. Look at the difference it makes. Verse 18. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. The law made nothing perfect. That Old Testament system made nothing perfect. It's like the typewriter. Can I get some white out? You know, like, where's the magic delete button? And Hebrews says, a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. What is the better hope? Hebrews 7.23 now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. All those priests died. But check it out. Jesus lives forever. He was dead. Now he is alive. And he lives forevermore. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Wow. What is our hope on Easter Sunday? And why are we here today? Because Jesus died for our sins. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead. He is alive. And today, I want to invite you, if you've never done it before, to come to Christ. He is able to save completely those who come to him. I remember as a teenager given my life to Christ, right? I, I, I didn't know anything about Melchizedek as a 17-year-old. I didn't know what a priest was. I couldn't tell you what Psalm 100 said, but I came to Jesus through faith, through simple childlike faith as a young man, and I gave my life to Christ, and he changed my life. And tonight, today, it's just as simply, you can come to Christ. One of the most incredible promises for us from God is right here in Hebrews 7.25. If you come to Jesus, He is able to save completely those who come to Him. Isn't that a powerful promise for you? Powerful promise for me? If I come to Jesus, He is able to save me completely. Wow! How's, how does Jesus do that? And Hebrews says, you won't find a better priest than Jesus. Don't look to earthly priests. Don't look to yourself. Look to Jesus Christ. Verse 26. 
such a high priest, talking about Jesus, truly meets our need. Just pause there. Jesus truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. That's who Jesus is. He is God. But unlike the other high priests, the God-man, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all. He's talking about forgiveness there. Past, present, and future forgiveness. He is the all-time sacrifice for our sins. And he did that when he offered himself. Was there ever a priest in the Old Testament that offered themselves? Jesus did what no priest had ever done. He is the God-man. As God, he never sinned. As a human, he understands us completely. He knows our need. And he is our advocate in the face of sin. He died on the cross for our sins. He's the perfect priest and he's the perfect sacrifice. And he laid down his own life on the cross so that you and I can live. It's pretty amazing. Such a high priest truly meets our need. And I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know if there's sickness or if you have some anxiety in your heart this morning. I don't know if you've just been so busy you haven't had a chance to even pause and experience the goodness of God, but I know one thing. I know there's a priest who can connect you to God, and his name is Jesus. I think about Job. I think about all that Job went through, the pain, the confusion, feeling distant from God. Job deeply longed for a mediator to help him. <clears throat> and the good news today on Easter Sunday is that God answered that prayer. Jesus has come. Jesus bridges the gap. He understands us. And so we come today, so as we come to worship, we come today, not in our own power. Because you know what? In my own sinful, wicked heart, I was never going to get there. Not in my power, not in my righteousness. It's not in, in the power of some priest. No. We come today in the power of an indestructible life. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. He lives forever. And it's through the power of the life of Jesus that you and I have access to the very presence of God. Just think about that. This is our moment. This is our time to draw near to God. Do you have a relationship with God? Are you experiencing his presence? Maybe you're here today and say, you know what, I've never done that before, Brian. Today's your day. If you want a relationship with God, this is your moment. Saying, I want to draw near to God. This is your time. Make a change. Let's, we confess our sin. You know what, I'm not perfect, but I know a perfect Savior. I know I don't have it in my power, but I know someone who has the power of an indestructible life. And today, you can say yes to Jesus Christ. Those of you who are here, you're Christians, right? 
young people, this is not a one-day thing. This is not just an Easter Sunday thing. This is an eternal life with God. This is a life of enjoying the very presence of God. There is no better life than that. Come on, what more could we ask for? That's what we have in Jesus. Because he lives, because of the power of his life, we come alive to a brand new life with him. That's the most exciting thing I could share on Easter Sunday morning. His, his blood canceled all of our sin. Our past is forgiven. Our future is with Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your work in rescuing us. When we couldn't do it on our own, you did it for us. You came. You paid the ultimate price. You rose from the dead in victory. You've triumphed over sin, death, and hell. And when we come and we put our trust in you, we get to walk in the victory of your son. We get to live a new life in Christ. And I just pray for anybody here today, God, who wants to do that, I just pray that you would give them the courage to surrender their life to you. For those of us who've heard the story and have gone, man, what does this mean for me? I pray that today would be the day. It would be a, a redefinition of our life, that our life would now be lived in the presence of God. Help us to experience your real, weighty, tangible, holy presence each and every day and to live in the glory and the wonder and the awe of that. Thank you for Easter Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We give you our lives in worship. And everybody said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Will you stand with me as we close?